My friend Lindsay Morgan Snyder is joining me today for a talk about life, love, and defeating our inner critic. Lindsay is a speaker, entrepreneur, and author of the book Letting Love In, How God Renews Relationships by Crushing Your Inner Critic. It's an awesome book. I just read it, and I know you're going to love hearing more about it in this episode. Lindsay has worked with top leaders in the leadership space for years and has written for everyone from Hollywood to homeless shelters. She moonlights as a ghostwriter and helps others strategize book ideas, taking them from concept to completion. She has a really fresh way of communicating the Father's love, and she shares it with an incredible grace and transparency. We haven't been friends for long. We met this summer through another mutual friend, Lindsay Van Zale, who shared on this podcast actually during episode nine. But Lindsay Snyder and I immediately hit it off, and I just find incredible encouragement from the way she is doing life, the way she is letting the Father love her, and how it has truly transformed her life. I can't wait for you to listen in on today's conversation. Hey, Lindsay, so glad you're with us today. Thanks, Jenny. I'm super excited to be here. It's so fun that, you know, distance doesn't limit us. You're on the other side of the country, different time zone, and yet we can hang out and have this uh, conversation and record this episode together. It's just so fun, isn't it? I know. Technology is so cool. <laughs> it's the best. So, uh, you know, I, um, I'm really excited to have you share with us about your book, uh, Letting Love In. You know, when I just saw the title, I was so excited because I'd recently, we recently did an episode, episode 14 with Rachel Faulkner Brown. And she was talking about how learning how to receive God's love has been like foundational for her, um, really building and living a lifestyle of abundance. And you know, Rachel personally, which is just so cool too. So when I read your title and just started diving into your book, I just, I've been really intrigued about this concept of like letting the Lord's love in and, and learning to receive on a whole nother level. So just tell us a little bit about your why behind letting love in. Yeah. Thanks so much. I am. Um, yes. And I love Rachel Brown. She is so precious. So, um, it's so fun that that's how, um, yeah, this all kind of got connected. So, um, but as far as, is letting love in the reason that was the name of the book is because that is what I desperately was looking for all my life, love. And and what the Lord has shown me is that's what we were all created for. And as much as we know that, we don't often realize like God is love. Like God didn't create love. Like God isn't the best at love. The Bible says in First John, God is love. And as I ran around my life, for a good 31 years not knowing the Lord, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And 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 sadly, I pretty much almost like destroyed myself because of it. Mm-hmm. And when I uh, ran into God at 31, like head on, <laughs> I realized that um, he was the love I'd been looking for all my life. And, you know, that he gives us family and and husbands and children and all and friends and community and all these things that represent his love but if we don't get our love from him first we um yeah we will suck the life out of those around us and we'll end up unsatisfied anyway so mm-hmm. he had to take me on a long journey like a 11 year journey of learning to let his love in which healed pretty much every thing in my soul. It was the most powerful thing that I've come across in my 42 years of life. (laughs) 
That's incredible. I love how you said that, you know, not having his love sex sucks the um, life out of every relationship. I mean, the, the, the world talks about love all the time, right? We, it is sold to us on movies, um, you know, in every, every, every turn we see examples and offers of love, but it never, it never um, leads us into something that is full and satisfying. Can you just talk about like a little bit more about what your experience was kind of with that and um, kind of before you knew the Lord's love? Oh my goodness. It was a nightmare, Jenny. It was an absolute (laughs) disaster. (laughs) I mean, oh my goodness. It was just like, I didn't know what I was looking for. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the issue was. I just, I didn't know what I actually truly needed. And so, you know, be it like, all the men that I tried to, to, to find love with, you know, and unfortunately I lived a very, um, promiscuous life and, um, yeah, it just, I was, I was trying to find love and I thought, you know, maybe sex was love and, um, you know, trying to give men what they wanted so they would love me. And it was just a disaster. And I even did it with friends, you know, I would love everyone so much so that they would love me back because my deepest need was love. And it's just a human. It was never meant to, a human was never meant to fill the vo- fill the hole. The way the Lord has shown it to me, which I think is so cute, is he's like, Lynn's, he's like, my love is like the cake. And, and like other people's love is the frosting. Mm. He's like, if you make other people's love the cake, there's no frosting. You know what I mean? Like you can't do that. So he's just shown me that his love is the cake and other people's love is the frosting. So we're, we're to experience both. But a lot of times, um, if we don't know the Lord's love, we are trying to make other people's love, you know, where his love is supposed to fill. And that just is, is upside down and it just doesn't end well, you know? It doesn't. It, uh, I, I so resonate with that. I've lived some of that as well. And it really does. Um, when we expect other relationships to fill the, the void that only God can, it does suck the life out of them. It does really destroy those relationships. Um, it doesn't bring out our best at all without, without that foundation and that security of knowing that we're loved by God. Cause really living without that understanding, that foundation of God's love is ultimate insecurity, right? Oh my gosh, girl. And that was like my biggest issue was insecurity. So that, yeah, that resonates so much. That's totally right. So when I'm reading your book, a lot of the way that you've structured it is really kind of around lies and, you know, kind of unearthing these lies that we've been sold and bought um, by the world. And can you kind of talk about why, why lies? Why do lies have to do with letting love in? Yeah, because, you know, the, um, the Bible says that we have an enemy and his name's the father of lies mm. and he comes to kill, steal and destroy. And then the second half of that verse is, but Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly, which is what you're teaching people through your podcast, which is amazing. And so it's like, we can't live an abundant life if we're, if we're, if we're believing these lies, if we're listening to the father of lies, who's really coming to kill, steal and destroy. And and he is, he's coming to kill, steal and destroy our confidence, um, our trust in God um, you know, our hope, our joy, like all the things that the Lord gives us, he's coming to, to come against all of that. 
And that's why it, and I didn't, it was funny because when I started writing the book, I didn't really have it titled as The Lies. It just kind of came into that, which was super interesting. I, I talked more just about like things I struggled with, which was fear and worry and fantasy and unworthiness and mm-hmm. rejection and abandonment, like all of these things that the Lord had just kind of shown me, like, these are the things that are tripping you up. These are the root causes of, of what, um, the things that are tripping you up. These are the root causes, kind of like the healthy people, you know, the super healthy people. They're like, get to the root cause of the disease. (laughs) You know, I thought worry was like a normal human condition. I actually thought worry was a way of someone saying they loved you. Uh, Yeah. I think (laughs) that's so common. You do? Okay. I thought it was just a nutcase, you know, I was like, well, as a parent, it's like, well, if you worry about your kids, it's because you love them. It must be a loving response to a relationship. I know. I literally thought that for a good, like, four decades. So that was real. <laughs> um, but one time I was writing a, a blog online, and I so I, I love looking up the words, the definitions to words. The Lord has me do that a lot. He'll be like, look up the definition to that, Lindsay. Because all in my mind have an idea of what something means, and he'll just have me go to the Webster, Miriam, you know, and look up the definition of a word. Yeah. And I looked up the definition to worry. And it was on the Merriam-Webster like dictionary app and it said to torment. Mm. And I thought, what? I literally Strong word. <laughs> right. And I literally looked at the, um, you know, did I type in the right word? Is that really what this means? And I was just so shocked by it. And I took a screenshot of it because I don't know. Well, praise the lamb I did, you know, but I took a screenshot of it and I thought, That is so crazy. So fast forward, that was probably six years ago. If you look up worry on the dictionary app now, it does not say that. But it said it then, and I have the picture to prove it. But anyway, all that to say that I started researching it a little deeper. I'm like, what? This is crazy. Like, did someone just decide to change the definition of worry? And what I found, and, and I talk about this more in my book, but what I found is that I kept looking like, back behind the root word of worry and it it would say things like i'm not quoting it exactly but it would say things like to strangle to choke to tear at the throat to torment mm-hmm. and i thought torment sounds like what the the bible says that the enemy does to us right and and glad you started to show me like worry is a way bigger like distractor than the world wants to like give it credit for you know we often are like oh, you know, worry is harmless, but I'm like torment and strangling and and tearing at the throat is not harmless. And as God just started to kind of unwind that for me, it, it just gave me freedom. Like when I worry, it's not that God's mad at me. He's so gracious and kind and patient. It's insane. But he was just kind of like, it's not helping you, Lens. It's not helping you, honey. He's so sweet, you know? And Worry never, worry never moves us downfield and it doesn't move our relationships downfield. It really doesn't because it doesn't, it doesn't usher in the peace of God and the expectations of God for that circumstance or relationship, right? Totally. And, you know, in the Bible, the Lord's been showing me this a lot. Like it says, believe the best. I mean, I know I'm kind of like using the LMS version, but you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) version but you know it says like think on things that are lovely and true and and, you know those things and it's like every time I want to start to worry I'm kind of like wait is that lovely is that true like I don't think so you know so 
yeah, worry is probably my favorite chapter just because I found that little nugget. And I'm like, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> so what's, yeah, what's the alternative then? Like, what is the alternative for, you know, the, the new relationship, the young mom, the, you know, worried grandmother? Like, what is the alternative to worry? You know, how does God's love counter that? Yeah, you know, taking, and that's that's where in my book I talk about like journaling with Jesus. And that's where I really like put all of my worries or anxieties or fears onto paper. So I got them out of my head and onto paper. I think in that's a com- getting them out. It is, so, it is so huge. In a conversation, conversational way, which I could totally explain if you want me to, but it was like talking to love. So, you know, some people are like, well, replace worry with love, but that feels so like ethereal. Is that the right word? I don't even know. But it just feels so like theory based, like, okay, great. How do I do that? Um, But I felt like the Lord really has shown me a way to take all of my stuff. And girl, I had so much stuff. It was crazy. But to take all my stuff to him, to love himself, because God is love, and then let him speak into it. Let him speak into the fact that I thought I was ugly, that I thought I was stupid, that I thought I wasn't good enough, that, Mm. you know, I thought like some crazy stuff, you know, it just take, take every tiny, like little worry that came to my heart or mind, take it to love and let him speak into it. Mm. And that's what started like crushing the lies or crushing the inner critic, as I like to call it, is because I would take everything to, to love. I love that. I love a couple of things about how how you're describing this. I love that you're personifying God as love itself, which I think is completely biblical. But it is a shift in the way that we relate to Him when we call Him who He is, when we call Him love. I think that does change where we relate to Him. And the other thing is it um, it insinuates this level of like trust and intimacy because you don't say like your real worries like. I don't vocalize them to many people because I'm not sure what they're going to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to look at me once I say them. Um, and so I think there has to be this level of, of knowing you are loved, accepting that truth, and then being willing to be vulnerable with God. Like, you know, it's actually, I think, harder for us than we realize to be vulnerable and to really let God, like, like obviously he already knows our hearts, but really to know from our own mouths to say, like, God, this is like where I'm at and just saying it and trusting God with it. And it's gotta be founded on grace. It's gotta be founded on knowing that he looks at me and I'm already approved. I'm already his great delight. Nothing I say will change that. I think when those foundational, you know, truths aren't settled, we can't come to before the Lord that way. Yeah, definitely. He's the kindest, and I put air quotes on this, man I've ever met in my whole life. Yeah. You know, he he knows, he, and he kind of taught me this because I was a novice to the Bible at 31. You know, I was like cruising along life, run smack dab into love himself, and like everything changed, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course, it was this long process. I'm reading the Bible. Well, first of all, I, ha- I was in this mentor group, and they said, we want you to write a letter from God to you, a love letter from God to you. And I am like maybe a two-year-old Christian. And I'm like, I don't know what God would say to me. So me, Google, and the Bible start digging around, you know, what does the Bible say? Like, what would, what would God 
say in a love letter to me. And I started finding like all of the stuff and I'm like, wow, you know, like he knows every hair on my head, you know, like he cares for me so much that I can bring all of my burdens to him and he'll take them from me and give me peace, you know? And so, you know, I was just reading the Bible pretty literally because I had no, I just had no context of anything else. And it was just like really impacting to me. You know, I'm like, if God knows every hair on my head, like, wow, I have a lot of hair, you know, I'm like, he must know everything. Yeah. So to me, it was like, he knows it anyway. We're not telling God anything he doesn't know. And so, yeah, I've heard that before that it feels vulnerable to tell God, but I'm like, I kind of wonder why only because he's the least judgmental person in the universe and the cosmos. Like he's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just don't think he's been, I think, I think for some people who've grown up in church, certain church environments, he hasn't always been presented that way. He's kind of been presented as an angry, disappointed father who is pretty judgmental because Christians can be pretty judgmental. And so I, for me, I definitely had to have that shift and like really getting clear on the character of God. So I could come before him and enjoy real intimacy and really with real honesty with him. So tell me, tell us like, can you walk us through this, this journaling? Cause I think this is very intriguing the way you're talking about it. What does that look like? Yeah. So I started to realize a lot of my worry and fear and anxiety and things um, was almost like a hamster wheel, like running around inside my head, you know, just wouldn't stop. And so I, I don't even remember the day that it started happening, but I just started getting a journal and like writing, writing out like my issue of the moment. It could be in the craziest places. It didn't matter. I had a journal and I would just start like writing. I'll give this example. Um, so I would be at church and I, I was a leader in church and I'd be sitting on the front row and there'd be a guy that I liked because I'm still single. And, you know, he'd be like flirting with another girl. So God cares about the tiniest things. So I would write me dot dot in my journal and I'd be like, God, my heart is hurting because this guy likes this girl or whatever. And then I would write God dot dot and I would pause and I would listen to what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. And then I would write it down. And he would say something like, oh, honey, I love you so much. And then I would write God dot dot, or I would write me dot dot. And I'd be like, okay, I love you too, but like, will you help me with this? And then I would write God dot dot, and I would pause and listen for the Holy Spirit. And I would hear, of course, I'll help you, Lindsay. And it was, it's like that simple. Mm -hmm. Like it's super childlike. It's not this, you know, we're not trying to impress him. He's our father. You know, you have children and, and your husband loves, you know, loves your kids, right? Yeah. And, and so it's like our dad loves us so much. And, and none of us had perfect fathers on earth. There's no such thing as a perfect father. But we all have a perfect father in heaven who, who wants to talk to us about all the things that scare us, that worry us, that, that you know, um, that try to tell us we're not good enough. Like all the stuff he cares about, and that's biblical. It's in the Bible. Cast all your cares on God for he cares for you. And, you know, I, he really wants us to, to come to him with all the stuff. And and the, the journaling just helped me to be able to talk to God anywhere. Because people thought I was taking notes at church. No, I wasn't taking notes at church. I was talking to God about the guy I liked. You know what I mean? So you can love have that. your journal anytime and, and be talking to God about whatever that, you know, that other mother hurt, you know, if you're on a play date and like, God, you know, 
if you write um, me dot dot, because then it's like a dialogue, you know, me dot dot. I mean, right. it's almost like a movie script, like what that woman just said hurt my feelings. And then God dot dot, oh, honey, you know, and, and listen for what he says back. And it's like you're having a conversation with him. And that's why I do the like me dot dot, God dot dot, me dot dot. God, dot, dot. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does, Lindsay, because I've journaled for years and I've never journaled like that. And I think that's really encouraging because it gives us a, a framework to adjust our expectation of the way God speaks, um, that it is conversational. It is that simple, direct, immediate. Um, and I think that, you know, we, so when I've journaled in the past, it's been this long four page, like everything in my head, all of my emotions expressed. And then like, I close the journal and like, you know, hope that God speaks back to me. And sometimes I do hear from the Lord, you know, and sometimes it's like, well, at least I got it all out. And it's kind of like a prayer, but it's not a, it's not a conversation. And so I really love what you are helping your readers, you know, practice is, is really a conversation with the Lord and recording it. So you can go back and say like this, this does sound like God's voice and the way that he responds does align with scripture. And it's just, I think it's really, really faith building the way that you're doing journaling. It's, it's unique. And I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Thanks. And, and one of my um, spiritual um, mentors said to me, Lindsay, when you're discouraged, go back and read your old journals. You will see what you were struggling with six months ago, what God said about it, and how he was faithful in it. And that will give you, that will encourage you for the current situation that you're going through. And I've done that. I mean, I do that probably like once every couple months. I, you know, just when I'm feeling it, I'll be like, I'm really struggling here. I feel stuck. And I'll go back and read like my last journal. And I will just be amazed at what God says. And, you know, it's not always super direct. He's not like, go do this, go do that. It's, it's more of just like a very loving father, very mm-hmm. supportive father, you know, just, just being there for you. And even that though, I mean, Lindsay, like that, it's not super directive. I feel like, I feel like a lot of church people there, that's the expectation though. It's a transaction. You say this, I go do that. You, you know, you give me a direction, I'll obey it. It's this very not that that's wrong. It's just incomplete. It's, it's transaction when he actually wants a relationship that's transformational, which means there's this, there's this beautiful just dialogue. And, and, and I think the way that you're journaling allows us to kind of shift and and experience that more. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. Like if I were stuck on an Island, all all I would need is my Bible and my journal. (laughs) And, and the truth be told, I'm, I'm 42 and I'm, I'm single and I've never felt alone ever in my life because since I've met God, because this, this journaling as strange as it sounds, because it kind of even sounds strange coming out of my mouth at the moment has made God so real to me and so tangible in a way that I've just never felt lonely. Mm. I love it. I think back to the times that I was single and going through just real challenges in my life and just not, I just remember like laying in bed and not having anyone to text goodnight, no one to, you know, have a dialogue with at the end of the day or the start of the day, or when I was feeling sad, the loneliness of that is so depressing, honestly, Mm -hmm. but with Jesus, like 
you know, so, so often we think that he is a distant God and he's only interested in certain kinds of conversations that sound super religious, but he's not, he's near and he wants to talk about everything. Like he's the one that we like, you know, married or single, like he's the one we say goodnight to. He's the one that we, we chat through everything with. And, um, anyways, I just, I so relate to what you're describing. Yeah. It's so fun. And I would say my love affair. That's <laughs> a weird word, but um started with Father God. And because I had a lot of I had a lot of dysfunction in my mind about men. And so I was a little bit scared of Jesus, even though I had received him to be my savior and I received him, but once I like got to know the father heart of God, I was like all in, you know. I just loved Father God. He was just so kind and caring and loving and supportive. Kind of what you would think Uh, a father would be. And granted, we don't make God in our image, but you know, it does give us a little insight. And he was just so loving and kind and supportive and, and just encouraging and all the things that honestly, every human needs. And so that was really how I let love in. Yeah. He made us because he made us to need him. Like we ache for him. Right. Right. And it's just a tangible way of receiving his love. I mean, that is how I received God's love was through this journaling process. Yeah. It was, and, and it's still today. I mean, it's been 11 years and still today it is one of my favorite things. He, he's now shown me some different things. I think when you get what good at one thing, he kind of moves you into something else and teaches a, teaches you to hear him or, you know, um, yeah, be with him in different ways. But I would say during my most painful seasons, um, that journaling really helped me so much. And, and it really helped me work through all 10 of those lies that are in my book. I mean, I had so many issues, you know, it was like kind of hilarious, but really too. (laughs) But you know, look at like, what were we made for? So when I asked that question, I go back to the garden. What was life like in the garden before sin entered? And it was a constant communion, a constant dialogue. Mm-hmm. back and forth between man and God. And that's what we were made for. And so any way that we can engage in and experience that now, then that's, that's when we come alive, when we feel safe, secure, um, known, um, where we can be the most free, the most imaginative. It's always in that, in that context. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And there's a, there is a bazillion ways to Sunday to do these things. You know what I mean? God is like infinite, but yeah, I would say this is, I call it journaling with Jesus, although it could, it just, because it, you know, had a good ring to it, but, um, but it could be, you know, if you feel closer to father God, um, for a season, for whatever reason, you know, it can be journaling with father God, or if it's Holy spirit, you feel closer to. And, and it was really interesting because, um, I'm going a little off, so, you know, but this might be interesting for your listeners. But for me, because I had some dysfunction in my heart and mind about men, I was scared of Jesus, which is interesting. And and Father God showed me, he's like, Lindsay, I'm a good father, and I would only introduce you to my per- my perfect son. And And then the way God's kindness led me to if you will meet Jesus in kind of a new way was so powerful. So I found that like due to just our human, you know, life experiences, we 
we might tend to one of the Trinity um, over another for multiple reasons. And obviously they're all one and, and I totally get that. Um, but, you know, sometimes just in our human experience, we, we can kind of relate to one in a certain season for whatever reason. And so I would just say to your listeners, like, um, you know, it's whichever one you feel comfortable with, like, like start journaling, you know, th- think of that when you're journaling. Um, and then that might be helpful. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's cool to differentiate the person, you know, kind of the, the person of the Trinity that you're talking to. I know when I when I start praying in a group, I'm like, do I say like dear Jesus or dear God, like Father God? Or I mean, they're all the same, but there is, no. I mean, yeah, you can't screw that one up, but there are attributes that, like you said, can be really connective in a season. Um, before we like get too far off, I would really love to hear you talk a little bit about a couple more of those lies. I love what you said about the lie of worry, but the lie of unworthiness, like that one really jumped out to me. And I would love for you to just kind of talk a little bit about that lie for you and how the Lord um, just kind of applied his love and shifted your perspective around unworthiness. Oh my gosh. That was such a hard one for me because I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't sort it out. I'm like, what? is this, you know, why do I still struggle with this? And even a couple years ago, I still struggled with it. And I'm like, this is bugging me, you know, (laughs) what's the deal here? And I would say my most recent revelation about it is that like, it's not even a real standard of measurement. Like it's this like very aloof thing that we, that we struggle with. And, you know, what I found that my core issue was, even after I wrote the book, was self-hatred like all of my issues came down to like self-hatred lack of self-acceptance and not liking myself Mm. I mean but I didn't know that was the main problem you know so it was almost like the Lord let me like take the onion back and go through all these different lies and and he was so sweet the way he walked me through it and gave me revelation on it I mean it, it was as strange as it sounds, sort of enjoyable, um, because he so cares and wants to talk about all the stuff, you know, yeah. if, if we'll, if we'll, if we'll make time for him, he, le- and I'm, I've been single for a long time, so I have a lot more time than other people. I understand that. But, um, so that's why I think he let me take the process, the long road of the process and then be able to write so other people could maybe get it quicker. Well, um, I, I think it takes time to get to the root too. And I think like revelation tends to come in waves. Like you can have a deeper revelation kind of around the same thing. Girl, I'm telling you, I was literally in a workshop last week and the speaker said, one of his questions was, are you sold on yourself? And I'm like, no, like that's like, without a doubt, knee jerk response. No, (laughs) well, that's the problem. Like, but it, it does go back to like, I don't feel worthy. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's why that chapter, like, I'm like going back, like, okay, wait, I need to do this again. I haven't gotten it yet. I, yeah, I mean, I know. I I don't know that I've solved the like unworthiness lie, to be honest with you. Um, but what I found was that like, yeah, it was kind of how I felt about myself. Like that was what's holding me back. Like all the people could love me, you know, or tell right. me this about myself and tell me that about myself, but it was like bouncing off my plastic self, you know, like it was just like it was not going in because if you don't, and this was kind of the core of the book and the core of like, I would say what really hit me was in first John in the Bible, it says we love because he first loved us. And so I realized, oh, wow, 
we can't even really love until we receive the love from God. And then the first commandment in the gospels says, you know, the first commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And and back when I was a brand new Christian, you know, I just needed to keep it simple, right? I just didn't, I just was like, my whole world just got flipped around. Like, where do we begin? You know, how do I start my whole life over at 31? And, and so God was so kind to just keep it real simple for me. But it was like, oh, okay. So the, the number one thing to do is to love God. And then I realized, oh, wait, I can't love God until I get the love from God to love him back because he's such a provider that he provides for me what he wants me to do quote for him. And I just thought like, well, that's interesting. Yeah. And then after that, okay. So that's important that, that, you know, up and down, up and down between he and I, then he wants me to love my neighbor as I love myself. But I'll never forget. I was sitting in my little loft in Atlanta, Georgia. And he said, Lindsay, you cannot love anyone else because you don't even like yourself. Mm. <laughs> it was so direct, girl. It was so direct. Like a good father, you know, yeah. he was correcting me in a way. And, you know, sometimes I think in Christendom or whatever that word is, you know, we're like, you know, die to yourself, love everyone, you know, yep. but that people get zapped out by that. You know, that takes people out because they're basically serving from this empty place or they're loving from this empty place. And it's like, we're supposed to love from this full place, you know, but if we don't love ourselves or if we don't like ourselves, we're really not going to love other people like that. Well, I mean, we could give it our best shot and trust me, I did, but it won't be like his love, you know, it won't be a, it won't be sustainable. And so he just, you know, he keeps it simple with me. He's so kind. And he's just like, Lynn, let's start from the beginning. Okay. It's a very simple quote unquote formula. <laughs> Let me love you love me back and then love yourself so that you can love your neighbor. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, that's so good. I mean, you know, I read those scriptures and automatically it's like, okay, I got to love people. How am I loving people? Am I loving people? Well, and it's like, you can't pour out of an empty cup and, you know, living an abundant life, a life that overflows. You know, I always think of an infinity pool where there's always water constantly running over the edge. Like that is what we were made for, to live like that, to love like that. There has to be this fullness, constant fullness of knowing and believing that we are loved and adored by our creator. And if we won't let him love us and we'll just keep saying, no, that's not true. That's nice. That's sweet. It's a cute quote, but like, you don't really, you can't possibly really feel that way about me, God, then we'll never be able to love from the overflow, which is really what, what relationships on this earth were intended for. When you talk about renewing relationships. So like how we love and how we receive God's love totally affects every relationship in our lives. Can you just talk yeah. to us a little bit more about that? I mean, I think that's huge. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of goes back to the worthiness thing. It's like my biggest issue was that I didn't feel worthy of love. So it was like, I didn't feel worthy of God's love. 
Well, guess what? We're kind of not, you know, it's because of Jesus, <laughs> right? You know, that, that we are, but at the same time, like he, you know, we're his children, the Bible says, and you know, you have children, you know how much you love them. And I have nieces and I know how much I love them, you know, and, and I can't imagine like how much more God loves us than I love my little nieces right. that aren't even my own children, you know? And it's just so powerful when I just stop, you know, the little hamster wheel and, and just sit with like some simple truths that are in scripture and realize like this unworthiness thing is not even a real standard of measurement. Like it's just a strange lie. Like, what do I feel? It's almost like asking God, okay, what do I feel unworthy of? You know, what do I feel not? Because the enemy just loves to be like, and he's the inner critic. You're not worthy of that. You're not good enough for that. You're not this. You're not that. You're not this, you know? And yeah. it's just like, it's just like, shut up, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, um, it, it's like unworthiness is not a real standard of measurement. Like, it's it's just, it, worthy compared to what? Like, he's just like feeding us this, this like, BS, you know, excuse me, yeah. I don't know if that's like bad to say, but oh, you know, totally it's like, <laughs> what it's else like, do you call it? <laughs> I, know, I know, seriously. And so it's just like, what, you know, it, and that's what happens sometimes. So I'll be like, oh, I don't feel good enough for, I don't even know. Okay. For like real example, um, I'm living in LA and a friend of mine, very dear, like is in Europe and gave me his like beautiful home to live in. <laughs> it's like kind of insane. And I'm like, wow, I'm like the most financially broke I've ever been. And yet I'm living in the nicest place I've ever lived in. Like, what is this? You know? And, you know, I, I, I'm sure in the past I would have felt like unworthy of this, you know, but it's just kind of like, why? Sometimes you have to dig in with God. God, I feel unworthy of this beautiful home. And then, and then do the like me, God, and then put God dot dot and listen to what God says. Oh no, honey. Like this is you're worthy of this, or you know I don't know what he would say, but um, so I'm not listening to him right now in this moment in that conversation because I don't feel unworthy of this beautiful space, you yeah. know. But he would um, tell us this is this is befitting you. This is befitting the daughter of a king. This is how I've chosen to provide for you. Are you going to receive it or not? Like, you know, I think it's as simple as that. Like this is this is how I've chosen to provide for you, and it's it's above and beyond what you've asked for. But that's the kind of dad I am. It he's always revealing his character in the way that he moves in our lives. And I think we have to know his character in order to recognize it and then receive it and say, God, okay, if this is how you're gonna if, this, if you're gonna be this good to me, then like thank you. Like I receive that. Yeah. And the enemy is just always coming to kill, stone, destroy. Always. And that's why I talk about the inner critic, because he's always coming to just try to push us down and tell us like, well, I even remember, you know, I felt called to LA for seven years and I've been here and then I've gone out and come back and, and I just love it. It's my heart. I love this city. I'm so for it. City of angels. God wants the city back the whole thing. And there was a moment a couple weeks ago where I was like, had this fear. And, and so I, I talked to the Lord about it and, and I was like, I, feel like you're going to take this away from me. Like that. I finally found something I love and you're going to take it away from me. And God was like, yeah, that's not who I am. You know? So I think it's whenever we start to feel that like unworthiness, it's like sit down and ask him, like kind of get to the core of like, what do you feel unworthy of specifically? Because unworthy can be this, like just this weird cloud that kind of like hangs out, you know, but if you start digging into it, like, 
what do I feel unworthy of? And then you'll start to get to the root of what maybe there's a fear there, or maybe there's just a silly lie. Yeah. Um, Or an old wound, you know? Oh goodness. Heaven usually. Yes. But, um, so I think that's what really helped me was, was kind of digging into each of these things. What do I really fear? And being honest with myself, God already knows, but like half the time it's just being honest with yourself, you know? Um, I remember a Mark Batterson quote, he wrote the book, The Circle Maker, and this really impacted me. But he said um, that in, in, I think it's in the Gospels, where Jesus asked the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus knew the guy was blind. You know, he knew he wanted healing, but he asked him. And Mark Batterson says he asked him because he wanted to know if he really knew what he wanted. And sometimes God will ask us questions because he wants to help us get to what we really want to know. Yeah, that's good. And I, and I think, I feel like this journaling style that you employ helps us to do that. Yeah, it does. It totally does. And in, in, in my book, in the first chapter, I kind of give you an example of, um, of how, no, the second chapter, but of, of like this conversation I had with God. And it was, I don't have it in front of me, but the gist was, you know, it was about a guy. <laughs> That's one of my things, you know, Lord Jesus, you're going to help me. But, um, and it was just like, I was so afraid to be rejected. But at the end, my real question was, am I going to be okay? But it didn't start out that way. It started out with all these other things, you know, and, and then, but when I got to the core of my real worry, it was, am I going to be okay? Yeah. God was like, yes, you are. And so the the journaling does almost help us sort out our own souls and our own hearts. Yeah. It's it's really beautiful. It is. I love it. I'm looking at that on page 30. It's, it's so good. And I think just seeing examples of that exchange is just so inviting for the reader. Like, okay, I could do this. And like, and it sets just a razor expectation. I think God will talk to me in this way. Cause that's the biggest thing. Like if we can get clear on the nature of God and then that he has made us for constant communion. And in Jesus, that's what our access is. Constant communion, constant conversation. And then if we can experience that, I mean, that's live, it's, it is living the dream. It is living what we were made for this side of heaven. Um, and so I just, I, I really love it. I believe in like what you've written. And I'm just so grateful that you just spent some time with us today to share a little bit about your book. There's so much. I wish we could talk about every lie that you hit on because they all like resonate with me in different ways. Um, but I would just really, I would really encourage our listeners, um, tell them how they can get a copy of your book and uh, follow along with what you're, what you're doing and what you're learning. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got some free content on my website. It's um, lettingloveinbook.com. So you can always jump on there and get some free stuff, which I love to give away. And then my book, you can order from my website or you can go on Amazon. And then I just did a new digital course, which um, has the uh, book included in it, has like a digital copy of the book included. And so, yeah, there's all kinds of good stuff to dig around in. I love it. And so that course is on your website. (laughs) Yep. The book, the course on the website. And then I have a tab that says free stuff. So there's all kinds of free stuff as well. So yeah. If people want to follow along on your Instagram, what's your Instagram handle? Um, Lindsay Morgan Snyder. 
Perfect. Awesome. Well, I just really appreciate your time. I'm just so encouraged and um, I just, I'm grateful for what you're sharing with us because it's not easy to be vulnerable, but it really does help us get to the root of our lives quicker and get free and walk in the fullness that we were made for a lot faster because you were so willing to share your story. So thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Jenny. I love this podcast. I love <laughs> listening. So thanks for what you're doing because I know it takes a lot of time and you do it so well. So thank Thanks, you so friend. much. Well, just in closing, I would love it if you would just pray for our listeners and just that we would um, just have a fresh expectation of the way the Lord wants to talk to us. Um, and just really for those who are listening that are having a hard time loving, loving themselves, receiving God's love, believing that that is really how uh, what's available to them and how God sees them. Uh, if you would just pray over those listeners, I think that would be so special. Okay, I would be honored. Um, Papa God, I just thank you that you are such a kind father. Lord, I thank you that you came to our world as a father. Like you sent Jesus, your son, so that you could have your kids back. I just love that. And God, I just um, come against the lie that hearing from you is hard. That is not true. It is easy. You live inside of us and you delight to commune with us. So I just, yeah, every ear that's listening, I just um, speak to speak to their ears and say, open up in Jesus name. And I pray Holy Spirit that they would hear your quiet whispers, that they would hear you tell them that they're beautiful, that they would hear that you would tell them that you're proud of them. Like a dad would tell a child and that they would start to believe they would start that would start to resonate that maybe that's you and they would be able to discern the mean voice from the voice of love and and that that would change their life like it's changed mine so I just impart through the airways Lord anything that you've given me that'd be helpful for Jenny's read um listeners God I just give that to them um in the spirit and I pray this all in your powerful name Jesus amen Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening, and we'll see you guys next time.